Good morning. I'm Karen Audubonny, and um, today we're going to be talking about the Board of Supervisors meeting yesterday. Um, that was a long meeting. They didn't get out till 7 o'clock. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to talking, be talking about the big grant we got from PG&E, the $22.6 or $21.6 million, and how that's going to be spent. We're going to get some input going on here. Um, but... First, I want to say, hey, I made it in. Four inches of snow. Oh, my God, we're getting hit with snow again, Mendocino County. You up in the hills. Four inches for me. It's still snowing up there. Um, my younger self said, way to go, mountain woman. You got out. My 68-year-old self said, what the heck are you doing? But we wanted to get down here to do radio um, because uh, we've got a lot of information to get out. Uh, um, I've asked... Uh, I've asked, I put out the word that I was going to be talking about this to several of the supervisors, but they're all in meetings and stuff. It's really hard to uh, organize these uh, call-in shows sometimes when you have such a powerful, packed board meeting as we had yesterday. So I'm going to do the best to get you some general information and seek information from you. I want to use the n next hour communicating with the community to get some information to the supervisors because they need some information on how we um, do this budgeting for this big chunk of money. Um, the other thing is, is this is an important thing I want to put out and I know it's important to the community and I want people to hear it, is that I had the opportunity last week, um, I called the clinic, my local Anderson Valley Clinic, I've been a member there, I've been a you know, a client there, a patient for 40-some years, uh, call, just happened to call and say, hey, what's going on with the vaccines? And they said, hey, we got a bunch in. Come on down tomorrow. So after my last show Thursday, it would be almost uh, two weeks ago, um, I had my first shot of um, my first vaccination shot. Uh, it was painless. It was swift. Uh, the process that they've done in Anderson Valley, oh my goodness, it was so easy. It was a gorgeous sunny day. We got to actually wave at neighbors and people we haven't seen because we were in distancing and cars and stuff. But it was quick and it was efficient. I've heard that um, over the county wide that a lot of the programs are being very efficient, very quick. I know that some places it's harder to get contact of how to get in line um, if you have a local clinic you deal with if you have a local doctor's office that's that's where I'd say to call just call them and find out what's going on but folks it's easy it's simple a uh, little bit of pain the next day not much around this around the shot but no after effects nothing um, my partner Jill Hannum got her second dose that day uh, no after effects we actually you know while we're watching each other to make sure there was no effects, little sore arm, no big impact, no, no, no symptoms or anything like that. So I encourage you to get out there, do it. And if you have friends and neighbors that need help getting the information and getting in line, do help them out and don't be hesitant. And if you've gotten the shot, tell your friends because uh, word on the street and word out in the community is more people will get vaccinated the more people that talk about it and say how easy it is and how um, how painless it is, really. So, And we're getting much more vaccine into the county every week, every day. Uh, I know not a lot of people or not everybody is on Facebook, but boy, is that great for um, getting notifications about what's going on and all that. Also, uh, 
shout out to Alicia Bales with her COVID shows. She's been doing a great job with trying to get the information out for vaccinating and stuff. And considering that we have over 23%, 22% of seniors, people over 60 in our community, the more people we get vaccinated, the more percentages we go and the safer we're going to be and be able to get back out into the doing our regular uh, life that we've missed for uh, over a year now. So that's my COVID update, uh, a little quickie about the vaccinations. Also, I wanted to announce that we're uh, in what KZWX and Z is calling our spring quiet drive. That's happening now. Rather than doing a big on-the-air push for money, we're doing kind of a silent drive. It's going to be going on for a month, I believe. Um, and we need your support as I know, as you may have noticed today, I have no, I had no underwriting for this show. Oh, I'm crying about that. No, uh, our underwriting is really affordable for advertising your business. If you have a business, getting the word out about your businesses, your services, um, you can get a hold of Renee at eight nine five two three two four. She would, or I guess it's not Renee. It's actually Katie, a uh, Kitty Cole. Now doing it. Kitty's doing it. Sorry about that. Kitty Rose. Uh, Call her, but just say, you know, underwriting, 2-3-8-9-5-2-3-2-4 for the underwriting. That's a good way to support the station and different time slots and to get your word out, get the word out about your business and your services. But this silent drive, what we're doing is behind the scenes, we're just encouraging everyone who is a member and haven't, you know, paid their yearly dues or maybe want to up their uh, membership to please do that now. If you're listening and you're not a member, um, be aware that it takes money to keep the lights on. It takes money to do the programming that we do. And we rely on uh, memberships. That's what we do. We're a membership organization. We rely on our listeners. We rely on the business community. You are the folks that make this happen and keep this station alive and thriving. So there's several ways you can donate or up your membership. You can send us a good old check to P.O. Box 1 in Philo. Okay, MP Box 1 in Philo, or you can call during the business hours at 895-2324, or you can go on our website at kzyx.org, and there is a big donation button. So however you do it, um, do it. Please do it. Make sure that we keep this valuable, incredible community station going. So I believe... I had asked Ted Williams to call in um, after that long board meeting because everybody else was kind of busy. And I think, actually, Ted's on the line with me. Ted, are you there? I am. Oh, man, thanks for calling in. That was a heck of a board meeting. That was a long, long board meeting. Um, So you're the budget guy. I'm the numbers guy. There was a lot of issues on your agenda yesterday. But the two I wanted to focus on today and talk about is the... um, I guess it's mid, I want to say mid-year update for the budget. And then I want to get about a bunch of feedback about the PG&E money. So what I got out of the whole deal is that um, that uh, the income level, the income revenue is going to be up slightly about, oh, it looks about like $2 million. That looked good. Um, it seemed like um, the property tax Money was up about a million. Uh, looks like sales tax was going to be up 
uh, for the county. I was going to attribute that to people shopping in county and not traveling outside the county very much. So the budget, so we've, we've got about $2 million more than we thought we were going to have. But in the long run, there was a lot of, um, there was some um, overrun, which you call overrun over the budget and some of the different um, departments. The auditor's office is going to have a little bit over budget. Elections office is over budget. Uh, district attorney's office is over budget. Public offender, alternative defender, sheriff's department, and probation. And then the one department that's way under budget was building and planning. So that's kind of how it laid out. Um, Ted, what were your feelings about over and under budget? Well, I think it's inappropriate. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's a failure in budgeting. And there can be incidents like a mega fire where you have unforeseen circumstances and public service um, uh, budget categories have to run over. But, you know, for, for routine operations, uh, we should be able to uh, stay within budget. And if we can't, we should have the discussion about what went wrong and how to, um, how to fix it so it doesn't happen again. Um, one of the directions that um, I was, for, I was uh, thankful that my colleagues joined me on yesterday was asking staff to come back with a chart showing which uh, departments have been over budget and by how much for the past decade. And I'd like to see if there's a trend. If we have departments that are continually running over budget, we need to budget more money, be honest up front, or tell them they have to live within the budget. But um, otherwise, you know, it's, it's just pretend if uh, if a department can, for routine operations, uh, ignore the, the limit. Well, let's let's uh, get some of the listeners who may not be on top of it like you and I are because we're, we're numbers people, is that um, you actually voted against the budget last year for this specific reason. Uh, this over-budgeting or um, over-budget over numbers has been consistent for one department I know of, and that's the Sheriff's Department, and it's been a discussion that for several years about do we put a real number down or we just use a number to balance the budget, which is kind of, I feel, been the approach in the past. I think you do, too. Um, I will say you've got two new board members that seem to be leaning towards where you're leaning. Let, let's make it right and let's make it real. Is that what I heard yesterday? <laughs> that, that, that's what I heard. And, of course, we can't talk outside of open session. So you know, it's my first opportunity to get a read on where the new board sits. And, um, you know, I think that it was a majority in favor of some accountability. Yeah, I was, uh, it's a new day. I, I, I have to say, just from my perspective, with having followed the budget all these years, um, this has been one of my big beefs. This has been one of my big things with how can you have a budget, know what you're doing, when you know there's going to be sheriffs over time, there's been consistently a sheriffs over time, and yet it's not put in the budget. So I, it'll be fascinating to see how, how the CEO and how the auditor works with that. Um, yeah, and what we well, do with it. Yeah. The sheriff's budget, $1.6 million over. That one kind of got to me because I voted against the budget, arguing that it wasn't realistic. We knew we would have, we would run over. You know, overtime wasn't included. We know what overtime typically is. And here it's over 1.6. Also interesting, the district attorney is way over. But in the meeting yesterday, he explained that he gave an accurate number and it didn't make it into the budget. 
and he's actually tracked that accurate number. Well, and also so, probation said that too, didn't they? Yeah, I heard yep, that. Yep. Probation and sheriff, and I think the sheriff actually gave a. So we've got the probation, the sheriff, and the DA who actually submitted what they thought were accurate budgets, and those were t- the numbers were decreased by the CEO's office. Correct. Well, you know, the CEO is carrying out board direction. She doesn't have that authority. She can make a recommendation, but ultimately it was the board. And so, you know, we approved a budget that the, we knew departments couldn't live within. And so, the, that, you know, the possible solutions are either tell them you need to live within it, that's what we can allocate for your department, or allocate what they actually need. But let's not allocate a million under and then hope the auditor can find some loose change at the end of the year uh, to make ends meet. I remember the discussion about the sheriffs and the overtime, but that, I got to tell you, 1.5 million, 1.3 million has been the trend at least for as pretty long as I've been watching the the board's budget, the county's budget. I think that's been consistent. I don't remember the discussion about the DA's department and lowering that number at the board level. So that's, I'm curious. Do you? It'll be helpful to have a chart of the departments and how severe over time. I think you know, the board needs that and the, the public deserves to know. And you know, we keep talking about uh, doing some strategic planning. Yes. Top of my list is on that strategic planning is uh, learning how to uh, put together a budget and then follow it. Oh, my goodness. What a concept. What a concept. I, I do budgeting for nonprofits, and I've done this, you know, for years. So I, it's, it's always, budgets are a guess, kind of, but we have trends, like you said, and pretty much everybody's been on it. So it was interesting to hear the different departments come up and defend their, um, their budgetary numbers. Um, so when, when do you think you'll be getting that discussion back at the board level? Is that something down the road a bit, or is that going to come back pretty soon? About I, I, think it'll, I think it'll come back soon. I imagine we may have a few meetings related to, to budget. Okay. And, you know, like you, like you pointed out, it's a new board. We want to hear from our new colleagues. Um, but, but so far, I'm really pleased. I think we have a strong board. Oh, I'm very pleased with the board so far. I would say, and uh, the 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 questions that are being asked that I haven't heard asked before. Um, also, Glenn McGordy is bringing a lot of his people that he's worked with in the past. He's bringing to the board to discuss some of the issues. Just off the top, one of them was the Oak um, Wildland interface yesterday. That was another topic that came in. But uh, he's he's bringing a lot of knowledge to the board. So anyway. Um, so budget, that's really good to hear that we, the other part of the budget that was confusing for me, it was a huge packet for the budget update, I have to tell you, I think it was 93 pages long. Um, the other part of it was me, for me was I'm still confused, and I don't even know if you would know, is where we're at with the COVID money. I know there's a lot of money going out, we've gotten some money back. There's, you know, we're supposed to get more money coming back, but did you get an idea of where we're at with the COVID money in our budget? <laughs> only, only, that it, only that it hasn't settled yet. We, you know, we know what we should be receiving, um, but it, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of paperwork. So, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not worried. I think the federal government is good for it. It'll, it'll trickle down to us. Yeah. Um, good point. Good point. <laughs> Well, and did you, I think I saw you posted on Facebook uh, another just for income-wise is that 
the state with the CARES Act. The state's getting a chunk of money, and if they divvy it up the way we hope it'll divvy up, that's potentially another $15 million into the county for COVID-related things, CARES, CARE Act? That was my estimate. You know, I don't, I don't, don't, don't quote me. Um, no, no, no. I'm just going to ballpark. Do the arithmetic. It looks like we may be getting about 15, and that, that sounds like a lot of money. But you know, when you look at um, the way local government has been disrupted and overtime and extra help, um, it's it's to get us closer to to whole, get us closer to where we would have been had we not had a pandemic. And just the money that I had seen, some of the numbers that were thrown around, it's money that's been spent for COVID. It's already up to $8 million is one of the numbers I saw and was trying to track. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't go very far. So, budget-wise, um, it looks like we're probably going to run in the hole a bit or more. But we did have some extra um, income, like I said, with the sales tax. Uh, the DOT, that's... Uh, the OT tax for campgrounds is uh, looks like it's going to hit the six uh, six hundred thousand, which is good. The other thing that was up a bit was the cannabis tax was up a million dollars, and that was that seems to be a good good trend. Um, well, well, that one that one actually uh, raised my hand on because <laughs> you did indeed. We're, we're staff expects maybe ten percent of those folks will be able to get a state license, which is a requirement starting. Um, well, temporary licenses will no longer be renewed after January 1st. And so if we lose 90% of those licenses, we're going to lose about $5 million of annual revenue. And that $5 million, you know, it's been going to the general fund. I would argue that it's paid some of these overages in public public safety departments. So, you know, creating a $5 million hole is, is a big deal. Um, we gave direction yesterday, again, thankful for my colleague's support, to have the executive office and the auditor and planning and building uh, work together on a realistic forecast for uh, if that scenario plays out. The auditor expressed that uh, he hadn't been tracking that situation. Right. And, you know, that's that's worrisome to assume we're going to have 5.5 million again next year, uh, you know, when, when planning things otherwise. Because of all the new licensing and all the licensing stuff that's going on. Yeah, that that's a key one, and that's a big chunk of change. Um one of the things that kind of surprises me, Ted, and I don't know if you even know about it, but logging happens in it. The timber tax was down. The timber tax was going to be down about $300,000, yet a word on the street in our valley is that the prices of fir and redwood are just off the chart high. So that kind of, I didn't quite understand that one. you know anything about that one at all? Yeah, I, I, I noticed it, but um, I don't. I don't have the backstory on on volume or if it's um, you know if it's just offset that it'll be recognized next year. Not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it will. Oh, maybe that's right. Maybe it'll come in in next year's cycle because I know God fur is like a thousand thousand dollars a board foot, and usually it's around you know four fifty five hundred. So that's pretty phenomenal. Okay, so um, any other highlights out of the budget update that uh, you wanted to put out there? Well, we, we did direct staff to begin working on uh, a transition to using um, a cloud email service. For those of us that have been working at home, which for, for the county is most employees during COVID, uh, we've been using really antiquated solutions held together. You know, our microwave system is held together with, with duct tape, literally. Yeah. And, you know, our, our, our information services are, are kind of in that same position. So, um, you know, I think we see this as a, a possible productivity boost. And 
know, I see the potential to keep some people working from home. If, if they're as productive or more productive, um, maybe we don't need them to be in the office five days a week. Yeah, I will tell you that we are, as far as technology, Mendocino County as um, the county entity is really far behind and just the county as a whole for, for people trying to stream. I'm, I was streaming the board meeting at home and Oh, about, and you have to keep it going to know when the, because you had two closed sessions, right? So my issue was my data, I maxed out on my data, so they shut down my speed, like about, you know, six o'clock at night. So, um, yeah, I can imagine in our data for the county, we've got archaic systems for the county. They were talking about the technological stuff to bring it up to speed is going to be kind of pricey. I looked at, wasn't it a $10 million figure or something? Yeah, it's probably more than that in the end, but uh, the loss of productivity is a much greater cost. If you have 1,200 employees, you oh, know, yeah. 5% of their day being optimized more than pays for the upgrades. Yeah. Um, we had th- we had three closed sessions. and That's right, three. Yeah. What was the other item you brought up? Uh, just the closed session, the broadband. This, my speed, personally, was oh, bad, broad, you know. Broad, broadband. We, we, we have seen uh, SpaceX. Um, uh, open up their Starlink service, which is providing true broadband speeds uh, throughout the county. Um, I see neighbors getting 140 megabits down, 30 to 40 megabits up. There's You do need uh, more horizon, especially towards the north. And so I know some people out in Comps are finding that their, their hillsides and their tree coverage don't accommodate. Um, but for a lot of people, it's the first time uh, to have broadband availability and uh, no caps. Yeah, I'm 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 considering that actually, pretty considering it. So let me just take a minute here, Ted, to tell everybody you're listening to KZUX and KZYZ. I'm Karen Audubani. On the phone with me is uh Ted Williams. And I was uh I gotta do a quick quick uh technical thing here. Um I said I didn't have any underwriting this morning and it looks like I do have underwriting. So I want to make a shout out to those underwriters who are supporting us. Um, support comes from our members in Cal Fire reminding listeners of three things that protect homes from wildfire, which is clear vegetation from the roofs and gutters, cut your grasses to four inches or less, maintain a hundred feet of defensible space, and you can go to readyforwildfire.org. Uh, to uh, find out more. And more support is brought from our members. You know, I hope we're calling those numbers to get in and donate. And Ivy Accounting and Payroll Services in Willits, specializing in bookkeeping, payroll services, and local agricultural businesses, and more, serving Mendocino County. For more information, you can go to ivyaccounting.com or you can call 489-5486. That was brought in to me just now when I was whining about not having underwriting. So... Ted Williams, thanks for getting in here. Um, uh, the other, I tried to get some of the other supervisors on, but you know it's kind of hard after such a long meeting. You did have three closed sessions, which kind of broke up the day, and some really long, difficult or not difficult, but long dialogue issues to go on, talking about. One of the ones that so, are we pretty much clear on the budget? Did you get all the information out? I think we need to get out to people. I, I, I think so, and and just FYI. That- Board Tuesday is my least intense day. <laughs> that I'm was, always happy yeah. to come on your show. Yeah, yeah, you you do a good job. You've just been out and about, and I just want to do a shout-out to Ted. Um, he's on Facebook all the time, and he's been 
with Dan Jurdy and Ted have been arranging and setting up a lot of the vaccination clinics on the coast. And you, you are working overtime. I kind of didn't want to bother you this morning because you have been so busy. I've seen you being out there. But I thank you so much for coming on because you are the number guy. You've been there. And you can also help reflect on the change of the tenor of the new board with these two new members coming in. Um, but one of the issues that I've been monitoring and have talked about occasionally and said I was going to be following is this big chunk of money we got from PG&E. And it was related to the fires and the damages in Redwood Valley and Potter Valley or, or the, the big fires. So there was a settlement and we got it is it's 21.6. I you know people floating around different monies, but it's 21.6 million dollars. Uh, we got it last year in the middle of all the covid and everything that's been going on, the CEO's office had not been having a chance to really address what to do with this money. Um and I'm really glad you're on there Ted cuz I have been I've been trying to follow it. And this yesterday was the first time that there'd really been a presentation with some ideas of what was coming out of the CEO's office. Correct. Right. That's the first time. Um, And actually, the paperwork or the documentation with all of that, I think, came out either Wednesday or Thursday last week in the board packet. So... Uh, that's the first time I got to look at it. It was a v- very big packet, a lot of a lot of information going on in there. But what I saw yesterday was that a lot of people thought that the decisions were going to made be made yesterday, which they were not. But I also saw that there was a lot of community input. There was 27 letters that were sent to the board, several of them saying the same thing. I actually read them all. Um, I kind of did a quick, uh, you know, how many said what, said what, you know, what they were trying to do. The, the, and then if people want to listen, uh, Sarah Reich, our news gal, just, just did a really good wrap up of a lot of the letters that came in. But generally, people were just really concerned that it didn't appear that a lot of money was going to go back in to the communities that were so affected or deal with the issues about. Um, fire prevention, hardening of fire, hardening of the of the of the uh, different departments that dealt with the fire. So there was a lot of feedback on that. Um, so let's start with what did you think about it, and then we can go from there, Ted. <laughs> well, I, I think you before talking about how to divide the, the funds, I think it's important to look at the context of um, why why we received the twenty one. Um, million dollars. Okay. The the, the county um, was part of a uh, case against PG&E uh, that was settled, and the the county was not able to represent private property owners. So the money that 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 we've received is not to address losses on private property, and uh, we it, it also couldn't address problems that were covered by FEMA, and so the the, the claim represents the actual loss to the county. And so it's important to look at where the actual losses were, uh, in, in both during during the fire and in the, the much longer recovery process. Um, funds that otherwise would have been flowing to county departments and uh, county projects and maintaining infrastructure um, were were reduced or ceased to so that we could afford to um, perform the uh, disaster recovery. And so, 
you know, these funds first should make whole departments that were crippled as the result of the, the aftermath of the fire. You know, it's essentially a, a reimbursement for the actual losses. That's the claim we put in. I didn't feel like that was the first presentation yesterday, and, you know, we didn't have um, a, a, a solid report on where those actual actual losses were. My guess is we can't make the, camp, the county government whole, that we had more actual costs than these funds will, will come close to providing. Um, but I would like to see if we were to proportion relative to um, where the losses were, what that would look like. And, of course, you know, I think the board wants to um, try to apply some of the funds towards uh, bolstering infrastructure that, that would uh, mitigate a future disaster or, you know, better protect lives. And some of those, some of those categories may be um, bolstering EMS. We talked about, you know, the need for 2 or $3 million at a minimum uh, to begin tackling the problem of, of ambulance service. Uh, one of the ideas that's been floated uh, with, with the help of uh, Coastal Valley's EMS is uh, forming a, a JPA, uh, Joint Powers um, a, a Agreement, between various EMS and fire agencies to remove some of the, uh, the du uh, duplication, say, in, in billing and accounting uh, while bringing in a higher uh, rate for services. And so the, the various uh, EMS agencies, when they transport a patient, they receive different rates. We may be able to, to maximize that and uh, ensure that we have more cash flow to, to all of the providers. So, you know, I think the board is enthusiastic about um, using some of this money as seed capital for uh, investments that, that will return either greater services to the public for the dollar or reduce costs. Um, certainly, defensible space clearing, clearing roadways, chipper programs uh, fits right in with you know using um, uh, using monies that are the result of a fire to try to mitigate the next fire. Yeah, so that that is interesting because um, I was actually before I was able to know you were coming on, I was actually going to read some of the proposals that came out of the CEO's office, and a lot of it to me seemed to be infrastructure stuff that didn't have anything to do with the disasters that we suffered um i know nash um uh no so howard DeShields came on and spoke to the board about the road impacts the, the in the area where the fires were hardening some of the roads doing that kind of thing um I have a. I'm actually having a little bit of an issue around trying to make the county whole again. I can see making certain departments whole or using the funding to hard, what we call harden ourselves for future disasters, um, because there are a lot of departments that deal with that. Um, you know, the 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 roads, the fire departments, the sheriff's department had to deal with it. Uh, emergency services, all of these. Um, these are the issues that I would hope that the money would go to because it's, it does work for our infrastructure also. Uh, the emergency service uh, communications, that was another one that came up on that. Um, so that was some of the stuff that I was hoping that we would look at. One of the interesting things I didn't hear anything about was we actually have an office that I was around doing radio when it got established, and it's the Office of Emergency Services. 
We didn't used to have to have that, folks. 20 years ago, I can't remember what year it was, but it used to just be a volunteer. Now it's an official, you know, um, it's a position under the CEO's office. I didn't hear anything report from them, and I didn't hear anybody ask for a report from them. Did I miss that? You, You didn't miss that. Okay. It's a good question. Sorry. The, 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 I'm the, sorry. The I was CEO, just because you the read CEO the CEO is the, yeah. The CEO is the the, the director um, uh, for OES, and the sheriff is the assistant director. True. Um, you know, so I so I feel like we you know they both have their eyes on on needs related to to OES. Okay. Um, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't called out as as line items, and I think that's a good point. Yeah, I was just surprised because I haven't actually checked in on that office since it got formed um, years ago. Uh, the debate was whether it was even going to be a paid position. It wasn't a paid position for years. But the whole description of that department sounds about where you'd um, want to be looking for some you know, ideas of where it might be. Um, how, how do you feel about that concept of, of keeping the money within the county structure like that, some of it, not all of it, but with the departments that actually deal with uh, emergency services or deal with disasters, does that? Yeah, you you won't you won't get an argument against that for me. Um, you know, I can see using the lump some of it to um, to bolster uh, EMS and fire. I think that you know the public cares that when they call nine one one, there's the appropriate service coming with the right equipment, timely, well trained, and uh, you know you could spend millions of dollars. Um, and, and begin to put a dent in that problem. So, uh, you know, I felt like yesterday we did get some direction to look at the, the EMS side of it, and um, there was also direction to work closer with Fire Safe Council to see what kind of proposal they can come up with. I, when I started seeing the public comment, I realized in advance, I realized that, um, you know, the agenda should have been a little bit more verbose about, this is the first meeting, these are some of the ideas, the CEO is bringing ideas related to where we had losses, where we diverted funds, and you know what we what we would need to fund to get back on track. Um, but it's it's just the beginning of the discussion. Yeah, okay, that's true. It is just the beginning of the discussion. I have a I know for a fact I've been around long enough doing this. If we had been able to have an open chambers board meeting, I have a feeling that chambers would have been packed yesterday about this specific issue. I think a lot of people are concerned about uh, fire safety um, and what's going on with hardening a lot of these kind of things for our safety for disasters because it was a disaster and it's a disaster that can happen in any community, not just in Potter Valley. It could have happened in Brook Trails and stuff. Um, So, Ted, just a quick sideline because I know you're into process and I'm kind of a process person was this the best way to handle this the approach to this just dropping all these um, you know just dropping it in the middle of a board meeting with a packet from the CEO without getting some kind of a direction prior to that or did I miss or did I miss the direction prior to that 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 sounds more like a statement oh okay <laughs> all right did I, I did I, I miss I, the, you know, yeah I'm, yeah I, I don't I don't have a, a large tolerance myself for for government. Um, it's it's been an interesting fit for me because um, I just I don't really I don't like the way government works. But but we're trying to make it better, and I think we we really do have a strong board and a lot of cohesion. And um, you know I think the CEO you know is following following board direction, and there were previous requests about bringing ideas forward. 
Um, and, and yesterday we walked away with a commitment from, from Glenn and Mo that they would do some uh, town hall-style meetings and report back within 30 to 45 days. And I think that they can be much more effective collecting that input in more of a free-form session and that rather than three minutes at a board meeting, um, like you said, uh, where you know people who don't use Zoom day-to-day are, are struggling to get connected. That's true. That's true. Yes. Um, and I'm actually in dialogue with both Mo and Glenn McGordy, uh, Mo Mohan, uh, to see about getting them on the air so we could do an open line forum for, to get ideas and talk about that. Because this is a countywide issue. I know they represent the second and the first district where, where, where there was a lot of impact in these two fires. But... Um, it's, I think it's a situation for me, I'll throw out, that I would like to see the money spread out more to, a little bit to each district to help with hardening for disasters. Um, that's, that's what I would like to see that approach. That's my input on that. You can take it or leave it. So um, I, I, I have confidence that they will be able to pull that off. And what I see is this year we, we have supervisors that are, that are not looking at their district. They're looking at the entire county. You know, Dan focused on the retirement system of the, the entire county. Right. Glenn is, you know, the, probably the best farm expert we've ever had uh, sitting, sitting on the board looking at, you know, farming practices and, and water needs countywide. And, you know, Mo, um, I see her at the, uh, the vaccine clinic uh, bleaching chairs between, between patients, hands-on, enthusiastic, um, you know, put it hold, hosting a, a town hall style Zoom every week, highly accessible. So I'm I'm confident that the two of them will be able to bring back public feedback. Um, how do you feel about spreading the? I know spreading the money out maybe to a little bit in each one of the districts. That used to, that happened years ago when we had a capital money to invest. They spread it out a little bit to each of the district. Is that a, something on the board possibly? We might throw well, maybe, out there. But when you when you look when you look at mitigating fire or EMS. Yeah, the, the need isn't spread by district. You know, equal funds in each district probably doesn't match to, to, to equal need. It costs more to provide ambulance service to parts of the rural county, right? And you know, the hardening and brush removal that needs to happen. You know, not not even across the county. There's there's you know, inland needs it more than the coast just because of the fire behavior. And yeah, we're seeing we saw fire all the way out to the coast in Jenner, but the mega fire activity you see more inland. And, you know, I would tell folks on the coast and in my district on the coast, um, spending that money inland to mitigate that type of situation will save our, will save our uh, general fund so that we can fund services countywide. So, I, you know, I would address actual need rather than just arbitrarily dividing it. Good point. Those are very good. No, those, that's a really good point because it is true. And a lot of the services, like you said, uh, are spread across the county, like the um, EMS services and that kind of stuff. So, Okay. Well, listen, um, any more input on that? Otherwise, I'm going to open up the phone to see if we can get some feedback from the listeners and maybe questions about what went on. It was a long day. Um, you did make a hire. I didn't, I didn't get the name because it was at the last two minutes, but you came out of the closed session, and you may want to announce that because you were on yeah, it's, top it's, of that. It's Kristen Nevital. Okay. Um, John and John and I were the recruitment committee. I think we were both uh, reaching out, trying to find people. I spotted her on a state level uh, uh, committee meeting, uh, watching by Zoom, and thought she would be fabulous. And uh, has all the the uh, literacy of state policy, knows our local issues, has uh, has a home in uh, Humboldt, and uh, spent a lot of time in Sacramento. 
And she was a hire for what position, though? Let's get that out first. For a cannabis program manager. There we go. We've had a number of them. This is probably the first one that that has solid domain experience. She's a member of the statewide uh, CCIA, statewide uh, association. She's a governor's uh, appointee to a Cal Cannabis Advisory Committee. Um, she's going to come in hitting the ground running. I have I have really high hopes. Yeah, and congratulations and, on that. You saw her in, pulled her out, and that looks like a very good fit. Congratulations on that. And the, the board agreed. We we hired her as a, a direct board report, so same level of CEO. And um, this is this is unconventional, but you know it's in light of the program being critical, the pa- you know trajectory that it's been on, um, just being a, a train wreck. Uh, we're going to give it daily attention, and uh, I, I think we may save it. Applaud. I applaud you wholeheartedly for that because it it has been a train wreck. It seems like we've been trying to recreate the wheel in Mendocino County, which has always just appalled me, just appalled me. So anyway, congratulations on that. Um, That'll be be interesting to follow. So listeners, uh, I'm Karen Adebani. You're listening to KZWAX and Z. On the air with me is 5th District Supervisor Ted Williams. We've been talking about the budget, where the county is budget-wise. We've also been talking about this big... uh, uh, settlement we got with PG&E money and how it should be spent. Um, and there are going to be a lot of, uh, you know, the, the county supervisors are going to be taking a lot of input on what that what, what where that money should be spent and how it should be used. So I'm going to give out the phone numbers, 895-2448, if you'd like to call in and uh, have a question or maybe a comment about what we've been talking about. I know budgets are, you've got to love numbers and really get into it, I think, Ted, and we're just kind of sick people to do that. <laughs> Sometimes people look at me and go, how can you deal with all these numbers? Um but the the county is doing fairly well consider, considering the covid crisis and what's been going on financially and all of that we seem to be doing okay so far we're only in the middle of the year correct so we'll see how the rest of the year goes all right the phones had lit up ted here we go good morning caller you're on the air with us hi good morning this is Janie Shepard. Hi, Janie. I'm chagrined to see the new Sinclair gas station going in, and I was wondering if there could be some process in the county to give more consideration to putting in electric charging stations for the electric cars that we should all be buying as um, we try to switch over from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Um, Is there some way to get the county to consider that? All right. Um, I'm I'm, I'm with you on that, and uh, I've been driving an electric car all those trips from the coast to Ukiah and back. Um, It's just the right thing to do for the climate. And, um, yeah, the, the, there's actually a state requirement for counties to um, ease the permitting process to expedite uh, charging uh, projects. And we were a little bit behind. Uh, end of last year, we caught up, and um, we have that language now. Uh, I've been looking at uh, available grant funds. One of the difficulties is finding where to locate these projects. And, you know, I would think um, you know, some Caltrans easements may, may be a possibility. It turns out that uh, even that process is, is arduous. So anybody who wants to help work on it, I, I've, my focus has been the vaccine, vaccine clinics yeah. recently. Right. But but if but I tell people if you want to work on this project, get a small group together, meet with me regularly, 
um, and you know, not just talk, but get it done. I, I'm game. Hey, Ted. And, uh, the electric stations are definitely something that, that we need to see move forward. And I think I just read somewhere that Petaluma or Sebastopol just had an ordinance where you can't put any more gas stations in. Yeah, Petaluma. The was Petaluma? editorial in today's Press Democrat yeah. was about the gas station that people think they want in, instead of a charging station. Yeah. Okay. Hey, thanks for the call, Janie. All right. Thank um, you. Ted, is that Sinclair? Is that that's that's South or that's South State Street? Is that's just about? Is that the your district or is that the city? Do you remember? I, I thought I, I I thought it was city, but I I could have it wrong. Yeah. I think it's county. Uh, okay. We looked at it this morning. All right. Okay. It's thanks. Where the old water trough. Yeah, was. I know. That's a that was sad, 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 sad. All right. Thanks so much. All right. I'm going to get another okay. caller on here. Let's see if All we right. can get this Bye. one on. Caller, you're with us? Yeah, okay. Hi, you're with us. Yes. Okay. You're with us. I'm actually there. All right. Um, thing we could do with the money we get from Pacific Raft and Extortion is to put it into a, like a, an investment. And then you have everybody put, submit their thing. Because what happens with money, particularly stuff that comes in, uh, grants and stuff is, Hello? Yeah, I don't know it's what's like going on. Man, yeah, I, I hear a busy signal. It's yeah. like old man in the sea. All right, I'm going to see know, if I can get that. All the sharks come in and st- All right, I dropped him because of that buzzing. Okay. We're going to try it another one. So, yeah, um, it's going to be... I think be- he was asking about gifting the, the funds, um, you know, the form of form of grant. Yeah. I think that was the intent when the, when the claim was filed. The claim was for um, actual losses, the stuff suffered by a county government i don't know that we can gift public funds you know i'd like to see that a, a process be available i don't know if this is the, the appropriate funding source for it well okay that brings up a quick question so um you you the i don't know you were part of a of a lawsuit and you filed to get money for specific things now is there a follow-up on this granting mo- on this money that says you have to prove where you paid where you spent it are there requirements for that? I don't think I ever heard I, that. I, I, I don't. I don't know that there are, but I think um, to keep our credibility, we should stay in line with um, the justification we used. You know, we settled at twenty-one million dollars based on documented losses. Okay. Um, I, I think we need to consider those categories. You know, it'd be a bit disingenuous to have made those claims and then spend the money in other ways. Yeah, I was just and wondering. In some I, cases, yeah. Some, some cases, I think we can bend that, you know? Right. We didn't put hardening uh, communities. Well, this was the result of a fire. We want to prevent another one. I can make that argument. But I don't think I could jump to we should, um, you know, give out checks as sort of a stimulus. Or loans to people that are rebuilding, that kind of thing. But, yeah, it seems like I just didn't know if there is something where you have to report at the end of the spending, oh, we spent it here, here, and here. So that's I don't think that ever came out. So All right, I'm going to try to get another caller on here. Here we go, Ted. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Good morning, let me turn on the radio. Yeah, that's always um, a big one. Um, I, I have my ideas for spending the money are more holistic and uh, driven by climate change than most of what you all have been discussing. So I would suggest that we put it on fuel reduction and watershed protection because 
the, the better the water, the healthier the watershed is, the more water there is, and the less likely we are to get fires. And this is actually, so that's a twofer. We could add a threefer because it's going to include um, what goes on in Colorado and other outback areas with regard to illegal marijuana grows. You're going to have to um, be involved in cleaning up those. So that's that, that's my idea. That's that's a more holistic approach, but it would also be more effective in the long term. And I have an opinion about you were talking about um, where the county workers should work, and you were going on a productivity basis, and I think you should consider um, what the citizenry thinks in terms of productivity, because my opinion you should, um, all the county workers should put on their big boy and girl pants and go to work and answer the phone. All right, thanks for your call. Well, okay. well, what if what, what if they can answer the phone from home and save, I don't know, a three round trip drive? If we can get an extra three hours of productivity because they're not commuting from the coast inland or vice versa, I think that's a win for the public. And, um, you know, this is coming from somebody for, for more than two decades who um, uh, worked remote commuting to uh, work on projects in Boston, Austin, in Salzburg, London, the the economy today is is distributed. People, you get you you pick up talent where you can, and I think you know looking at a county level, we want to be able to pick up talent in places like Covelo, Piercy, Ladenville, Wallala, where that that round trip to uh, the county seat is is unbearable on a daily basis, and you know if they have good connectivity and they're able to be just as productive as being in the office. Um, you know, I think we should bring them into the talent pool. Sounds good. Um, one of the other things that came up, which was interesting, I guess that would come under the the Fire Safe Council and some of the other presentations that you're going to get is that the county owns a lot of buildings. This is just my plug. Okay, this is the county owns a lot of buildings like the Veterans Hall uh, property in Anderson Valley. There's Willits, the coast. Um, would some of this funding maybe be able to go to getting these uh, county uh, buildings uh, set up for when we have these PSPS events and the locals need you know, warmth or shelter or electricity and that kind of stuff and get generators and stuff. Is that kind of an idea that might be thrown out there? And I don't even know how you'd get that idea we, there. We, we, we actually gave direction to staff yesterday to come back with a list of all county facilities with oh, status on backup power and broadband. And, I, you know, I saw board enthusiasm. If they don't have the services, let's add it. That's pennies. Uh, and in the next disaster, no matter what that disaster looks like, it'll be a benefit to have running water, heat, um, you know, Internet access, telephone, basic services, flush toilet. I think the public expects that at county facilities throughout the, the lands. Yeah, and we've got several really nice locations. I know I'm involved in a discussion with the one at uh, the Anderson Valley property, the... the um the veterans, veterans hall. the veterans hall there they're trying to take the senior center which serves meals and stuff now and harden that with a generator and get water and all of that and i mean the money to do that they're looking at less than like forty thousand dollars to get that hall set up and it would service all of anderson valley so that seems like a very 
uh, not a lot of money for a lot of impact and a lot of uh, good services. So I say we can get in another call, 895-2448, Ted Williams, and we're talking about uh, disaster preparedness, how we're going to spend that PG&E money. Um, Yeah, with all the projects that are online, it it doesn't take long to go through that $21 million, does it, Ted? (laughs) No. I have to tell you, um, one of the things I really um, look was listening to is the communication systems in the county, the emergency communication systems in the county, and the money that needs to go towards them. Uh, the 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 figure was um, kind of shocking to me. Well, it, what's more shocking is looking at the state of that equipment. It, it's <laughs> exactly. fragile. I mean, they they were charting failures on a weekly basis. They uh, they buy parts on eBay used because this equipment's discontinued. You can't get new parts. I mean, it, it's it's horrific. And this is the backbone for dispatching uh, EMS, law enforcement, fire. You could you could have one of those situations have a resource half a mile away, but if you don't have dispatch, they're not going to be able to respond to your house to help. And uh, I, I see that as one of the most critical needs. Um, last year, uh, Dan and I looked at the cost recovery for other agencies that are using our towers, and we found, you know, the state and federal uses of our towers where we've never been reimbursed. Uh, the plan for cost recovery could bring in $1.5, $1.6 million a year. And, you know, we should have been collecting that all along. And, because you know, everybody who's using that telecommunication service should be paying their fair share for, you know, the amount of space, the amount of resources they use. But even even with that, that sort of recovery, um, we, we need some seed funding to really bolster that network. Have, has anybody actually looked? Have you heard any figure to bring us up where we're not dealing with duck wi- duct tape and bailing wire? Is there even... I've well, heard could, different you numbers. You, 10 million would be a good start. That's what I've heard is 10 million would be a good start. So really, we we had all these people using our towers and our equipment or and we weren't getting reimbursed? That's crazy. Yes, that's, that's, that's right. Well, I'm just thinking about here at KZUX, we pay, we have to pay to use the towers on the sites that we're using in Laughlin and Cold Springs. And mm-hmm. I know it's a chunk every year. So, um, oh, man, we got to get this county up to speed. But, but you're paying for that, but I don't know that state services were, or CHP, Fish and Wildlife, were they paying for those services for the entire network? So, yeah. you know, it makes sense. And I think there's board support to, to, to build those agencies. What, what we talked about is we don't want to build volunteer fire departments. Anderson Valley might have equipment on that tower. We're not going to go after the volunteer fire departments that are really doing working as public servants. Unpaid, it's the county's largest unpaid workforce, providing one of the most critical services as first responders. You call 911. A lot of, a lot of parts of the county, if, it's, if you don't need a guy with a, with a badge and a gun, you're getting a volunteer. And oh, so yeah. we're, we're not going to charge them, but we should be charging state agencies to reimburse our actual costs to provide the infrastructure. That yeah, that's true. And I will say, I just got to get a shout out to all of our fire departments. Um, they are all of them except for the cities are volunteer folks. Uh, very few paid people in this. We donate money every year to keep our fire departments going. Um, and the other thing I will say also is lots, a lot of our ambulances are the same way, especially here in Anderson Valley. And the other thing I'm going to say is that the volunteers are aging out. <laughs> 
the volunteers are aging out. Um, it's hard to get younger people because it take they have to work harder to, to live here nowadays. And the uh, so the average volunteer age is getting up there. So yeah, I'd like to see some money, you know, backfill some of these places too, and make sure they've got the equipment we need because we've got. I think somebody called in from Piercy on the board yesterday, and we're talking about their fire department. Oh, Bell Springs. That's what it was. The Bell Springs Fire Department called in, and we're talking about what they were doing up there. So um, we've only got a couple minutes even, left. Yeah. Even even the firefighters in the cities are oftentimes volunteers. You know, they have some paid staff. They'll have a paid chief, paid training officer, but they're, we're all using volunteers. Is that right? In Fort, and, even Fort Bragg and, and Willits? And I'm, okay. Yeah. Oh, I I, 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 I'm, I, I'm with you on we need some young folks to yeah. step forward and 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 take a take a turn serving it's one of the best experiences it's a perk of living in a rural county you get to be in somebody's house middle of the night and help help save them or help reduce you know, discomfort while they get to the hospital um if 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 my days have been dark to dark you know 16 hours seven days a week if i can fit responding to 100 plus fire calls a year a lot of a lot of the young folks listening can as well i'd encourage them to to sign up and at least ask the local volunteer fire department how their roster is looking. Do they have room? What do they need? That's true. Okay, Ted, I'm going to wrap up. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. I want to track this issue. You've got my, you know, you've got my access number to let me know when things are coming down. But I want to keep tracking this issue and getting information out to the people. And I want to make sure that we get as much information to the board of supervisors so they can move forward with a good collective, you know, idea of what the communities need and what they want so and thanks for being there for all of us ted and thanks, thanks for th- hey and thanks again for all the work you're doing on the covids and the vaccine on the coast man you're doing a great job so thanks all right thanks a lot ted okay all right everybody uh i'm karen audubonny we're getting out of here don't forget silent drive 895-2324 go to the website kzwax.org and donate the only reason we're here is because you support us, and we need your help right now to make sure this keeps going. And I will be back with you in two weeks. Stay tuned. This has been a production of KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.